Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are in full swing, and we have coverage across all of our channels to keep you up to speed as we make our way towards the finals. Make sure to check out the Ringer NBA show for daily coverage of the games from each series, and theringer.com to read Kevin O'Connor, Dan Devine, and the rest of our NBA experts break down every key matchup. And don't forget to tune in every Sunday evening to the Bill Simmons podcast to hear Bill and Ryan Russillo's NBA reactions from the weekend. As always, these can be found on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Domo Media. Today's guest is my lovely wife and better half, Grace. A week before Grace delivered our baby, she and I sat down to get our thoughts and feelings down on tape. I wasn't sure if it was going to be something we ever put on this podcast, but I wanted to record it for posterity because I got the stupid idea from my friend who was uh, actually just writing down with their partner all their feelings in the scrapbook journal, putting photos and articles and clippings. And I was like, Grace and I would never do something like that. Or would we be diligent enough? But I wanted to see if we could get something, not just like iPhone videos and shit like that. So we wanted almost a record for us. Maybe I'm weird. Actually, I know that I'm fucking weird, but I found everything about Grace's pregnancy to be incredibly fascinating not just the science of it all, right, which is endlessly fascinating. But in a weird way, I wanted to know exactly what Grace was feeling at any and every given moment. She's so calm. She's literally the opposite of me. And I know I was really annoying to her, and I'm so grateful that she even agreed to do this. I love you, Grace. Anyway, I decided to share it with you. If you're a parent or an expecting parent, maybe you'll recognize some of the things that we're talking about. One of the most crazy things about having a baby has been realizing how different people's experiences of pregnancy and child rearing can be. It's instantly given me so much more empathy, not only for my own wife, but for every family who's ever gone through the process of having a child and maybe struggled much more than we ever did. And truly given me so much greater appreciation for what my mother went through and Grace's mom went through. Both immigrated to this country. My mom came here in 69, had no idea how to speak English, and she had a child in Virginia, my sister. And she wound up having three more, four kids total in a country where she barely spoke the language and worked as well. I have no idea now how she do it. You know, you always know that it was tough, but now with all that we have, I have, and it's such an uphill battle just to do it and to help out my wife. I have no idea how my mother did it by herself, essentially, as my dad was working all the time. And even Grace, like Grace's mom, essentially gave birth to Grace by herself, delivered Grace by herself because Grace's dad was stuck in Korea. And... um effectively raised her for the first three, four months by herself. And, um, you know, I love my mother-in-law. She is an incredibly strong woman. And it's just given me so much more empathy. And the one thing I've learned in this process for me 
which is why I talked to Grace and we were okay with sharing this whole process and conversation with all of you, is that the thing that helped us the most, particularly Grace, was to hear stories, to know that they weren't alone or that Grace was alone and that you can be scared, you can be frightened, you can be nervous. And we felt so much better when we heard these stories. And there weren't stories that were prescriptive or not even offering assistance per se. We were actively trying to avoid people telling us, this is what we need to do, this is how you should do it, so on and so forth. Yeah, some of that's good, but you know, it's the one thing where everyone becomes an expert. And all we wanted to hear was that it's okay to be scared. It's okay to feel alone. It's okay to, to have discomfort, all of these things. It's okay to be human, essentially. And everyone has their own unique way of processing it. And we try to sort of avoid this sort of template of how you should feel. But I know what made Grace feel better was to be able to talk about it to other people and to hear their stories. Not the kind of stories of this is what you should do kind of shit. Anyway, it has been the best thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I feel honored to be able to be part of this. And now that our son has been born, thank God, a very healthy baby, it's allowed me to take a step back. It's allowed me to see what I need to do, hopefully, and be present and to be the kind of father that I hope I can be and to restructure my work-life balance. And obviously, I've spoken about how Marge has taken over for CEO and how I want to sort of uh, recalibrate what I need to do to be present. And I know I'm not going to be perfect. I'm far from that. And if you ask Grace and those around me, all I do is make mistakes. But uh, I'm learning and I'm a slow learner at that. But man, being a dad for the first few weeks has, man, I don't really have words for it because it's the first time where I know I have to be present. I understand the wonderful opportunities I have and it's given me meaning and purpose in ways that I never expected. And most importantly, it's given me hope that things can be pure, right? Like it's the purest emotion, the purest feelings I've ever experienced. And recently, obviously, just getting married with Grace, you know, not that long ago, three years ago or so, to know that someone could love me unconditionally changed my life, obviously. But to hold my son in my arms, to know that, it's a pure thing. There's nothing that can taint that moment, right? He is perfect. I'm learning a lot right now. I'm learning about myself. I'm learning about life in ways that I never experienced. And I'm growing up. I'm excited about that. And I know things are going to be different. And different is something that I really need. So all I know is I wanted to have Grace on this pod. We decided that we would release this. And just to reiterate, this is our journey. We barely go deep into subjects of pregnancy. I just was super curious. And the only thing I could do for Grace was to cook for her. And by cooking for her with all my heart, things that she wanted to eat, I could help out my son who was in the womb at the time. And I still do that when they're nursing. And it's rekindled a love of cooking that I did not know that I had because I'm one of the more jaded individuals I know in this industry. And, and um, no bullshit, man. Cooking for my wife and my son have given me a newfound love for the culinary world. 
because it's about feeding someone and it's about being imperfectly perfect in the food. And I think that's the best version of cooking. Anyway, here's my conversation with my wife, Grace, who was eight months, three weeks pregnant before the birth of our son. And, and big shout out to the doctors and the nurses at Lenox Hill Hospital where we gave birth. All of the nurse team, the pediatricians, thank you. Uh, I don't know if you guys get enough credit for bringing life into this world, but I think about it a lot. It was great to see you guys be great at your jobs and wanting to be there for not just us, but every family. Thank you guys. Anyway, I'm getting overly sentimental and I'm talking endlessly. I'll shut the fuck up. Here you guys go. I'm joined today by my lovely wife, Chris. <laughs> and we're a week out. Week out of what? <sighs> Till when the baby comes. On my way here, I was thinking, wow, in one week, we're going to have a baby in our lives. It's crazy. <laughs> this time next week, we'll be holding <laughs> our son. How do you feel? I have been so emotional. So emotional. He's been pregnant. Yeah. It's almost like I've been the one that's pregnant. And I know it's weird. Like even this past two weeks, I haven't been able to sleep a wink. I mean, yes, I have. But like, it's almost like my hormones are fucking crazy right now. And our friends call it the pregnancy sympathy, which I guess happens to husbands. Yeah. Where they start to impart a lot of the emotions and maybe hormones. That, I don't know. <laughs> you've cried more than I have. Yeah, I'm a crier. People don't know that. I, I'm the biggest fucking crybaby you've ever met. Yeah. I cry at everything and anything. I know you're going to cry a lot in the delivery room. Yeah. And I keep asking you if you want a doula for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Still on the table. I'm just talking about it right now. It's like, it's so emotional. And we've been talking a lot about it. I've tried my best to be as honest about all I'm feeling, whether it's been like too much information for you or not. Sometimes it's like, that's the, <laughs> that's, I guess what marriage is for. But I think first and foremost, and you hear about this, but we have it so fucking easy. I mean, are you kidding me? Like Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> like what grace has gone through and every woman goes, goes through for birth. It's something I, you can read about it. You can hear stories. But again, it's one of those things where it's like, oh my God, like you are creating something in your belly. And at the most basic level from like a Darwinian thing, it's like we're doing our duty on this earth to procreate and to create and experience basically what everyone has experienced, right? Like... Mm -hmm. It's not ineffable, but when I think about that to you and I talk about it, it's like, oh my God, <laughs> it's so insane. Yeah. And if we walk back a little bit, it, we were trying for a while, it took us a while to get here, the day we conceived. Yeah. I think it's been very emotional for you. Mm-hmm. Been really emotional because I never thought I'd have this moment. Yeah. And this is when I genuinely understand what you, I feel like the emotions really come through because you, you always talk about your mortality and how you never thought you'd get to this point. But now being pregnant, I really understand the depth of that fear or 
how you you really thought you were never going to make it this far. No. And, you know, I'm just trying to take away the self-indulgent narcissism about, like, me and my mortality, but it's not like that per se. I mean, Grace knows, and I have a lot of problems, and I, sometimes I can't understand how you even tolerate how crazy I am. And, like, we have talks where I tell you how crazy <laughs> I am. Yeah. And to, like, sit you down and tell you this is how I feel about the world or things that are happening, and I need you to know. And thank you for like not being like, wow, I married a fucking crazy person. I oftentimes tell Grace, like, you know that I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm like certifiably crazy. And I have fucking some of the most bonkers ass shit. And the fact that you are patient and you listen to me and you love me regardless is something I've never experienced, you know, unconditional love. And that process has been hard for me because I don't think I've ever experienced that. Everything has been conditional. So the fact that we're bringing life into this world has been fucking hard. <laughs> it's been really hard. Just the process of getting to this point. It's been a monumental shift for me because I, it's given me meaning. As weird as that sounds, like everything has been some tinge to me. Some work is about me. Helping someone else has been about me. And it's the first time I've ever experienced Nothing is about me anymore. Yeah. And you've always known that. I'm just dumb. <laughs> it's funny because I think there's a part of you that maybe is now reconciling that unconditional love that now you're going to be a giver of that to your son. <sighs> I just can't believe that I've been lucky enough and fortunate enough to get to this point. And I can't even contemplate life after giving birth. You giving birth. I'm just the butler. And it's funny because I really feel like you've been the pregnant one in the <laughs> nine months. You, generally speaking, are more emotional than I am. But mm -hmm. in the last nine months, your emotion, <laughs> you, you've been way more emotional than I have. I mean, one of our friends said, you know, just was talking to Dave about when his wife was pregnant, you just take her baseline and then times that by a hundred. And that's everything you're going to feel after the baby's born. And it's funny because I don't know if those metrics apply to me, but I, I feel like those metrics are going to apply to you more than me. And I mean, even now you guys can't see it, but he's crying because he's been so emotional. I think it's hard to really get inside of his head, but I think she's just, so cold-hearted, my wife. <laughs> no. But I think it's, it's exciting to see because I see the change happening. And, you know, I think I told you the one thing, especially, you know, when times get tough, the one thing that always keeps me grounded is the fact that I know you're always trying to be better. And that gives me a lot of hope as your partner and even raising a child that gives, you know, I get excited about that to see that no matter what, even though, you know, you're, you know, we're all not perfect. You're always trying. And I see that, right. I think it's hard to see what people are actually trying to get better, but, and I learned from that and maybe one day our kids will too. <laughs> So if you're listening to this rambling, incoherent stuff, <laughs> you'll probably quickly note that Grace is the sane, calm, 
patient, sensible person in the marriage, and I am the furthest thing from that. So I am lucky that she keeps me balanced, and she's as patient as humanly possible. So, um, so what's happening? We are, we're seven days out. And Grace has had a really tough trimester, first trimester. The fact that we got here, that's a story for another day. Second trimester is when you started to eat. And I've been on the road a lot. A lot. Trying to get in filming. We're opening another restaurant. We're trying to wrap up filming. Hudson Yards. Just maintaining all the other things going on. The move, the not move, and then the move again to L.A., it's almost been debilitating as to the things that have been happening. And I have to come to the realization that I'm the fucking dumbass that's been making my life more and more difficult. And um, all I know is I have to fucking be present for you and the baby. And I've been having a very hard time understanding what I need to do and what I need to get rid of. And things I would never have done before. Things that I have to say no to or get off of charity boards or whatever because— Every minute I have with you and our baby who's not even born yet, but like, I know you need help and I need to be there. And it's the first time I've ever felt homesick when I've been away, ever. I've never given a shit about home. So being away has been really hard as you've been pregnant. And the only thing I can do when I'm back home is cook for you. Yes. And it's great for me. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the first time you told me you were really homesick. I was really sad. I was happy that you felt like you finally have home, but I was also... It's been stressful. Yeah. You've been trying to cram everything in before the baby comes. Everybody's been doing everything to make it work. And, you know, I'm a control freak, even though I don't think that I am. (laughs) And I really don't think that I am, but obviously I am. And even though I don't think I'm plan oriented, I am. And I had a whole plan for this year and things don't go according to plan. And mm-hmm. everyone's been saying like, you're not on your schedule anymore. Yeah. When your wife is pregnant and then the child comes like, you don't own your life anymore. And it's almost like, you know, the whole idea of like how you make God laugh is like you, you make a plan. And I feel the same way right now is trying to plan and organize this process has been humiliating. Mm-hmm. And not humbling, humiliating, because it's not gone at all, according to plan. (laughs) Um, I thought we'd be in Los Angeles. I thought that all of these things would be happening. And simultaneously, work is fucking hard as ever. And all this media stuff. And I I just am like, fuck, what am I doing? (laughs) Yeah. When I just want to be at home. And I don't even know what that's like. These are all new feelings for me. Mm-hmm. It's like seeing new, more colors. It's like knowing that my car has a fourth and fifth gear. I was like, oh my God, I've been driving in third the entire time. Like, oh, I'm so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm excited about this to be able to know that there's meaning outside of myself. And I think it's made me, obviously, I think a better person, but even just cooking for you, right? Like, mm-hmm. You really enjoy cooking now at home. I hated cooking at home. He never cooked. I mean. Ever. Really. It took you a year to cook me my first meal (laughs) (laughs) when we were uh, dating. I now know that like one of the reasons I'm not just feeding you, it's like feeding a baby. Mm -hmm. I think you get more excited about the fact that you're actually feeding our son. Yeah. You're making it for me, but the actual act, you're more excited about the idea that you're feeding your son. 
I want to make it the most delicious. <laughs> you get really competitive. I'm a super competitive person, mostly <laughs> with myself. All blessed Asian parent, tiger dad. <laughs> and it's funny because I see all the wheels turning in your head on how to be a great dad, what you need to do and all these things. But I think at the end of the day, I just try to remind you it's as simple as just loving your son and being present. That's it. As long as you love him. Yeah. Because you're very, I mean, you know this. You love to think through every single thing. I, I, I just have to surrender the fact that yeah. I don't have control. And the only thing I can control is my feelings for you and the baby. And that considering our situation and where we're at, that we have more than we'd ever need. It's the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. And you know that even our first year of marriage, like I had a hard time appreciating anything. I never appreciated anything that's happened in the past because it's always been can be better, can be better, can be better. Mm-hmm. It's the first time where there's this um, giant monolith type statue that I cannot maneuver around. It's like a movable object. and it's not about like getting around it this time. It's about just accepting that it's there and I need to just appreciate that it's there. And I just need to like, the only thing I can do is be like, oh, I can only love you and I can only be there for the baby and there's nothing else I can do. And as long as I try my best to like be in that moment, that's the only thing I can do. That's hard as fuck for me. Mm-hmm. But this is so exciting for me to, when these things become realized, for you, I, it's so exciting for me to listen to as your partner. It's not things that I knew, but it's just, it, I think it's exciting to see. Sometimes Grace is like training a dog. <laughs> like, oh, he finally learned this trick. Thank God. Oh, no. <laughs> but everyone says that parenthood changes you as a person and changes things in the marriage. And right now we're just really excited to see what all those changes will bring. No doubt it will be hard, right? Yeah. You know, and that's the thing too, not as it just hard. Like I've been saying this like almost every day it comes out. Like I can't believe that almost every child we'd see, I bet you the percentage, almost every child that's been born for the most part has been born with almost nothing. And maybe oftentimes like a single mother. And I'm like, I have no fucking idea how any, I, I don't even know how we are doing it right now. And we have a, a ton of resources at our disposal. So it's like, it almost breaks my heart, right? Right. And I don't understand how I could have ever seen that otherwise. Right. I mean, that was powerful, I think, when we first found out we had conceived that you empathized a little more with the woman and whether she was pregnant or not, or whether she was going through fertility, I think you had a better understanding slightly of what it's like to be a woman because you saw me go through it and it's not easy. And I said every stupid fucking thing you could possibly yes, say along the 100%. way. hundred <laughs> percent. You know, but like, at the same even time. Just, it's just like, oh, like, I'll never forget it. I said, I said it came out of my mouth and there was no way I was ever going to be able to take it out of the existence of the ether. I was like, your body's weird. Yes, and I was so upset. I just wanted to like grab it and put it back into my mouth. And I was like, what am I saying? No, you dumb, dumb ass. That's not what you mean. So many things. 
no matter what I said after the fact, I was like, that's not what I meant. I meant this, this, and this. I just made it worse. Mm-hmm. And I was mansplaining mm-hmm. to my own wife. Yeah. And all I needed to do was say, I am so sorry. It mm-hmm. took me like two days to realize like, oh, my, I'm so stupid. Right. Like, even though I was known as stupid, <laughs> I thought I could, like, explain my way out of the situation of my stupidity. And you know, because all I do is just look at you <laughs> like you're crazy in here. I mean, that was really hard, right? Even after, I think, the third try, I was just so exhausted. My body was just so exhausted. Just everything we had to go through. And you were like, we got to keep going. We got to keep going. And... <laughs> I kept telling you, this is, we're not sprinting here. This is, I don't even know if this is a marathon. I just, I need time. I know. I'm so fucking dumb. Sometimes I, I and genuinely wish at so many moments. I was like, I wish I was smarter at this. So I wouldn't say stupid shit. But it's hard because at the same time, I understand that you feel like you're against the clock more than I am. And so that part comes through where you're just like, oh, me, 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 me. And then you forget that it's a lot for me to take in. But it's good. I mean, as challenging as it was and for all the pain that we both went through, I think for us to finally get here is really a miracle. I mean, we both agree having a baby is a miracle for all the things that need to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's just um, fucking Christ. Like sex education is total bullshit. Like, <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> I mean, I came out joking. I was like, I never would have used condoms. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing you did. <laughs> but, you know, I can't believe that we're here seven days out before the baby comes. And I was telling my friend the other day, I just feel like I'm going through motions at this point. I haven't, I mean, the last two weeks of pregnancy are really tough. And Dave has seen this. You've seen this. Right now, I'm just going through the motions. I can't think. I can't feel anything right now. (laughs) Even though we're recording this, I have a hard time processing actually what's going to happen because physically something just takes over and it's just, it's been so hard. I mean, you haven't been getting sleep, but I definitely haven't been getting sleep. What I'm excited about is, you know, we saw our doctor yesterday and I think right before you're about to have a baby, you, you know, as a woman, you kind of have certain fears or the uncertainty of certain things. And I'm not going to lie, it's scary. But, you know, yesterday our doctor reminded us that something just kicks in. And I'm excited because he was just like, you just, something kicks in, you go into beast mode and you're just like, I'm going to have this baby. (laughs) And all your fears, all the things that you were scared about, whether it's natural birth, cesarean, whatever it is, all of that goes away. And just something in the mother just kicks in and she's she's like, oh, we're going to do this. I'm going to do this. And that's when a lot of, you know, partners or husbands who are around, they're in complete awe of the woman who's giving birth at the time. Yeah. I feel relatively insignificant in the whole process. <laughs> I mean, tr- truthfully, it's like, if I could better articulate just how beautiful the whole processes. And I'm always asking almost every day, it's like, what is it like? <laughs> what is it like? How do you, what is it like that ever you have this thing growing in you? What is it like? And Actually, it's hard, every day. You know, it's funny because I don't know how other women respond to that question, but I've had a hard time articulating how I feel. I mean, 
yesterday I, I, I was just going on this insane tangent. I was like, I know we're like homo sapiens, but like you're like a marsupial and this is a kangaroo <laughs> in your pouch. This is fucking crazy. Holy shit. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though. I mean, yeah. I feel like this pregnancy has gone by really quickly. It's hard to process what I'm actually feeling because the only thing I'm thinking about is how's the baby doing? Everything feel okay? I mean, also, what, there's so a sense busy. of confidence from you and the things that you want where it's like, I'm a pain in the ass. If you say something, I can't only imagine how our child's going to be able to like receive information and follow it. Because I'm a grown ass man, and I I have to be told like several times before I'm like, oh yeah, this is what I gotta. <laughs> but like I am like now hyper tuned. Like you're like, hey, do this. I'm like done. Yes, it's amazing. You know, now a week before, I I can't do anything. I can't even wash the dishes. I can't even put soap away. And usually, I'm very <laughs> particular about how things are in the house. And you know this. And it's always letting graze down. Like, I think what's got to be frustrating from your end on just general life existence with me is, you know, that when I put my mind to it, I can do it right. Mm-hmm. And that 99% of the times at home, I don't. Right. Because your mind's elsewhere. And I think a lot of people in the culinary profession might can relate to that. And I think about younger days as a cook, it's like someone's stationed in their uniform and they're not, everything could be immaculate and meticulously organized. But then you get home, they're like, do you even have a dresser? Like everything's in trash bags. Like this is like a heroin den for essentially. Like how do you even live like this? And and the other day we had some friends over. <laughs> Dave cooked this amazing dinner and we had a lot of dishes to watch and put away. And normally I would do it and I would do it thinking that I had done a really good job. But it's, no. But there's a difference between cleaning in restaurants, and that's got to be fresh. And you see me yeah. clean and organizing in a kitchen professionally. But at home. The OCD stops. When he walks through the door <laughs> at home. <laughs> but a few days ago, I think he knew how much it would bother me. And I walk in the kitchen and it's perfect. You put the dishes in the right place. The dishwasher was very organized. The way you put everything in, the dishwasher was really organized. Usually you just kind of put things in and then just let it roll. But no, it's exciting to see you really come through on a lot of things that I never thought I would see you come through on. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I mean... As we all know, women, after delivering a baby, it takes some time to recover and heal. And doctors advise that you just let your body heal. And, you know, if you're lucky enough, you'll have your mom around or in-law or some kind of help around. But most of the time, it's up to the partner or husband to pick up the slack. (laughs) And so it just puts my mind at peace knowing that you'll be fine while I'm in bed (laughs) recovering or taking care of the baby. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Today's episode of the Dave Chang Show is brought to you by Nice Laundry. You've got to check out Nice Laundry's underwear. They're as soft as silk, 
because Nice Laundry uses an amazing fabric called Cyrospun Micromodal that basically makes it feel like it's air-conditioned underwear. Whether you're at work, on the road, or at the gym, they don't ride up and always keep things cool and dry. They also have a game-changing horizontal fly, which looks normal, but trust me, it makes all the difference. I'm also highly recommending their lounge shorts. You can wear them around the house, out in the world, or in bed. This is my favorite thing, their lounge shorts. They have all the same tech as Nice Laundry's underwear, so they'll always keep you cool and comfortable. The best part is that Nice Laundry is risk-free to try because they offer a game-changing guarantee. If you don't love your first pair, they'll literally refund you. I've tried them, and I have no intention of returning them. Visit NiceLaundry.com and use promo code CHANG for 15% off your first order. That's NiceLaundry.com, promo code CHANG, C-H-A-N-G, for 15% off. Plus, get a free bonus pair of socks and free shipping on all U.S. orders. And now, back to the show. I have some questions for you now that we've overshared too much information. First trimester, what was it like? Horrible. The great advice that a lot of people told us when we first found out we were pregnant was just enjoy this time together. You can travel and take a vacation here. Some people call it the baby moon. Take a vacation. Just enjoy that time together. I think one thing that we realized very quickly into the first trimester is we, I mean, we bought every single book on Amazon about parenting about being pregnant. And two weeks after we realized we were getting better advice from our friends. And so don't be afraid to reach out to your friends. You know, you know, all these things. It's funny because now the next thing that I think about is after giving birth, a lot of women in my circle, they talk about postpartum depression. And that was something that I was also thinking about on the way here is even though I should try not to think about it so much before giving birth. It's, I think I have the ten, I have a tendency to similar to you, but not as intensely as you do think ahead about certain things. And I guess right now I can't help but think about, you know, what, if I do have postpartum depression, what that would look like, because right now it's just so hard. Mm. Right. And I wonder if I'm experiencing bits of that before the baby comes out. I can't sleep. It's hard for me to move around. It's hard for me to breathe. And so that's the next thing that I just, everyone says nothing can really prepare you. What's great is if you have a, you know, you have friends that are going through it or have gone through it. That's when I think for guys and dudes listening, I think one of the only things that I've been even remotely helpful at is trying my best to introduce you to people that have had a kid recently or are also pregnant. Right. And that's been so great. I mean, that's another reason why we ended up deciding having the baby in New York because we have a vast network of friends who have had babies and have given us so much great advice. And we don't have to go too deep into the other reasons why, but I've been really almost proud of you because you've been so much more bold of reaching out to people that you might not normally reach out mm-hmm. to create this community of 
of like, it's like I joke, like sister to the traveling pants type of <laughs> shit. It's like, oh, dude, like I don't, I want that fucking relationship that you have with these random women that you're meeting. Yeah, which has been, that's actually the one thing that's the most amazing part about being pregnant is whether it's, you know, your friends that you already have, but you meet so many different expecting mothers. And I was lucky enough, I mean, two women come to mind that both expecting around the same time. We are one going through a very similar situation that we are. And it's just been so nice to have other women that are going through it with you real time. And that is, I think, something that's just so priceless and so invaluable to me. And and I mean, it happens so much where you tell me some about someone that's like, hey, this person just gave birth or this person just happened. And I'm like, I have no idea who you're talking about. Yeah. I was like, well, you you introduced me to them. I was like, um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did that. But yeah. you are keeping in touch with almost everyone. Right. And like, it's amazing to see that network and the bond being so fucking real. And that is the only thing that keeps you excited, keeps you going, keeps you thinking that this is all going to be great because otherwise – you know, I've talked about this. It can be a very lonely experience and women are expected to just kind of go through it, but there's not many conversations about, there are a lot of needs that women have while they're pregnant. And I think that's just been the best thing about being pregnant is the different women that you get to meet and men. You've all my guys, friends. I mean, thank you. You know who you are to just there's just so much fucking love. This is genuinely like, you know, it doesn't complete me or any of these things, but it's like, it's amazing to see the compassion that Mm -hmm. people that I'm not even that close to be like, Hey, yeah, I've read this book. You should really read it too. Hey, this piece of equipment, it's this crazy bond and a club almost that you don't know exists. Mm -hmm. And I'm very thankful that you see like the best part of people come out now. Right. Right. It's amazing. It really is. I mean, I've just been over, I personally have been overwhelmed with the outreach from meeting some of your friends for the first time or meeting certain people for the first time. And, and your friends yeah, have, and have so gen- lovely. Yeah. I mean, while, you know, you've been on the road, a few of my best friends have come over and just taking care of me. And that's been so nice. And so I do feel really lucky. And I talked to my mom about how her experience was so different. First of all, she just freshly immigrated from Korea. My dad was going back and forth. At one point, my dad was just stuck in Korea. So long story short, my mom- Gave birth to you solo. Solo had to take a cab by herself to the hospital. And um, she gave birth and she was still working and she didn't really have that community. She you know, had my aunt and uncle, but to be in a country where you know nothing, you barely know language. language. This whole process is, and I remember talking to Steve Yoon about this, you know, you begin to appreciate, and you've heard this from a lot of my friends and your friends, like you understand your parents, particularly immigrant kids. You understand things that you could not have seen before. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, oh, I, I love you mom and dad more than ever. It increases your well of empathy because you're like, oh, you did this without speaking the language. Right. You did this without a community. You did this completely devoid of any help. Mm-hmm. And I just have a greater appreciation. Like, I don't know how my mom gave birth to four kids. 
Four times. Four times. (laughs) Without speaking the language Mm -hmm. in Virginia of all places. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I have to rectify in my head a little bit more, but it's caused me to have some pause and to be like, okay, I can still feel disgruntled and unhappy about certain things, but I can accept it now. Mm -hmm. I, I can't. I don't want to say I can't wait. I'm looking forward to crossing more of those bridges. Yeah. It just makes me appreciate, of course, being a woman, you're like, yes, <laughs> this is amazing what we can do. But it just, it really makes you appreciate as a woman what you can bring to this world and what you're able to do. And I know we get a lot of credit, but I, I still feel like we don't get enough credit for everything that we do. Dude. There's like no question in my mind. I'm like, we are so overrated, dudes. Men. Oh my God. We're really just move shit from there. We're just donkeys. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I keep on thinking. I was like, we're just fucking mules. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about creating the nursery and nesting. Oh, it really kicked in, I don't know, I think seven months, eight months. Because up got, until then, got, got crazy. Yeah, up until then, I was not nesting. Dave was way more. You were way more nesting mode than. Yeah, my, I, my, was. I swear to God, my hormone levels should be checked. I don't know what the yeah, fuck's been going. You on. You were freaking out. You were just like, <laughs> we need a house. I was really stressing out because I needed us to have a home. Like yeah. we 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 have um, a one bedroom apartment in Chelsea, and we have to rent something to to accommodate. It's just not conducive where we're living right now. And right. with LA falling apart at the last minute, it's like, oh, I was really stressed. Like I felt my existence and my value added to this relationship was, was just called into question. It's like, I can't even do the most basic thing. Mm-hmm. And I hated myself. Right. Meanwhile, I clearly see how hard you're working and how much you're contributing. And that's just who you are is you always just think you can do better or you can do more. And it's frustrating when you feel like nothing is happening when you are putting in that effort, but it broke me. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. And all the baby clothes and the swaddling and 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 all of these things are just like so out of my wheelhouse mm-hmm. that I'm not not trying to get in there. I'm just like it's like loading the dishwashers, <laughs> right? It really is. It's like um, I'm going to let you do it because if I do it, even if I do it well, you're going to say that's not right. So mm-hmm. I'm going to watch, I'm going to be patient, yeah. and I'm going to observe and try to emulate whatever it is that you're doing. <laughs> I'm really excited to see him 100% invested in parenthood. Because most of your time is spent working, traveling, for work. We're lucky enough that we have some time with you where you're going to primarily just focus on the baby. You're taking a paternity leave. Quote, unquote. <laughs> I mean, I'm really stressed out because we're opening up a restaurant March 15th. And, uh, oh, my God. You know, the irony is, and I'm having, those that know me well know that, like, uh, more often than not, I'm having, like, mental breakdowns, freaking out, just complete freakouts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. I've always thought about opening restaurants as some kind of childbirth. And now it's actually fucking happening. And now I'm like, you're a dumbass for even relating, conflating the two. But still, it's like, it's happening. And I have to be there. I have to help out. Mm-hmm. But I can't. And it's given me like this, um, I guess it's almost a metaphor, symbolism of like what I have to do. It's like, I have to change my life, work life, so I can spend more time being present with you and our child. 
And I have to find what that balance is. Right. Because I think we both understand, I mean, even, you know, when we first started dating or and well into our marriage that our lives... You're an angel. Aren't normal. It's not <laughs> normal. So, you know, you're going to have, you know, and I think there are a lot of couples and that who experience this where you'll still have to work and you won't be able to take a leave as long. And and I, I understand that. So, I mean... It's a good thing we're in New York because you're opening in New York. It'd be hard if I was. We were in LA and you'd have to come back. And well, that's what that was the plan. Exactly. Oh my god! Can you talk a little bit about like just like practical things, which is like clothes, right? For mm-hmm. you being the pregnant mother. Oh yeah, I've I've lived in leggings from Uniqlo for the past maternity leggings for the past nine months. And now you you bought like a winter coat, but you already. Grew out of that. Yeah, so I'm wearing your coat. Yeah. And I actually am probably going to only wear <laughs> things from your side of the closet. <laughs> Which is crazy because on. I'm like three times the size yeah. of my wife. But there's just something about, you know what, the mom has to be comfortable. And there's so many great companies that are inexpensive. You, you know, you don't have to buy expensive maternity wear. You can just... And, and what... <laughs> The daily ritual of you oiling up your belly. Oh, it's it's religious. What what is your combination? Right now, it's it's a vitamin E oil that I just found on Amazon, and then this great shea butter that my sister in law. Yeah, your my sister. my sister, your sister. Our sister. <laughs> okay, how does this work? That uh, she gifted me, and it's just a really pure shea butter, and you just you know rub it in your hands until it turns oily and put it all over. And it's it's been great. Otherwise, you're just itching the entire pregnancy. I get so itchy so quickly if I don't have enough oil on my stomach. Because <laughs> at this point, especially in the third trimester, they're just exponentially... It's crazy how big the baby is getting. Yeah. Very um, big. And very it just, quickly. It happens like... Overnight. Yeah. And so oiling has been... Religious. I just feel so bad for the discomfort you're in, and all I want to do is make it better for you. Yeah. When you can, get a massage. I don't give you nearly enough foot rubs as you deserve. <laughs> Every time I ask you for a Because she says I suck at it, so it's like, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? But you, you're on your phone half of the time while you're giving me phone. This is true. This is true. But— no, I mean, you've been really attentive and I see, I mean, every night before we go to bed, he makes the bed for me. He puts the pillow. It's, it's very sweet, actually. While I'm brushing my teeth, I see you arranging all the pillows. So it's comfortable for me. And you might not get it right, but the <laughs> effort's there, which is really sweet. And he's even, you're, ma- you're even making the bed in the morning, which is really sweet. Yeah. So it's exciting, I think. For me to see you change, you actively make changes in just small things. Well, we're going to find out for sure when it's here. And um, I've been thinking a lot. I've been reading actually non-baby books. I don't know what's going on, baby. Like I'm reading some weird shit. You are. I'm reading Schopenhauer and I'm reading Nietzsche. Nietzsche. I'm reading shit that I haven't read since college and I didn't even really read it. I don't, it's nothing to do with anything. And it's really sad and it's morbid and depressing. Yet, but that's been like my training manual about Mm. bringing life into this world. And I keep on thinking, and I told you this, and my goal, and I think this is aligned a little bit with work, is um, 
I've always wrestled with the idea of reincarnation, as crazy as that sounds, because I believe that it's a beautiful idea, but something that I find to be relatively impractical in real life. And I'm like, shit, like maybe it's for us or me, the most sensible way is I have to be the best version of myself to be the best parent for our child. Even though I may not be perfect, I have to be perfect so that this cycle can continue and they can be a better version of us. And it's, I'm a wildly competitive person with myself and where I, I've almost gamified it for me. It's like, I have to be the best version. <laughs> and all these things, like I'm trying to curse less. I'm trying to do all these things, even though I suck at it because like, I have to be better. And when I can understand that philosophy and that principle in another culture, it helps me center myself a little bit way in a different way. And it gives me meaning in a way. And I'm excited for you. I'm excited for us, but I'm also excited to see what's going to happen because it's given me purpose in a way that I never expected. Right. In a weird way, almost everything prior seems meaningless. Right. And for those who don't know, you you studied religion in college, and it's been the foundation of so much of what you do and who you are, not specific to any religion, but I think what's exciting is… <laughs> she's, been reading, she's been looking over on my iPad. She's like, what are you reading? <laughs> Why are you reading the Upanishads? Yeah, I'm like, Aww. it's really… <laughs> I'm like, Where, which hole is he going down now? But, you know, at the end of the day, it's great to see you continue to grow those thoughts. And I mean, just long story short, Cambodia, you felt so much there. And while it's a very depressing place and you, you know, it's, it's a really hard place to be, somehow you found some light in humanity. And- Doing a lot of travel for, for the season with all of this stuff going on. I don't know. Everything's been different. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in a long time, and I think with this pod, I've been trying to be as transparent as possible to help me be a better person, to 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 be better to you, to my employees at Momofuku and elsewhere. But um, if I can be the best version of myself, then like that's all that I can do. So I'm excited what's going to happen. And I'm excited to join the club with you. I'm so excited too. All right. Okay. Well, that was my conversation with my wife, Grace, a week before we were about to, or not we, my wife was about to give birth to our baby boy. And um, yeah, I never thought I'd be this kind of guy talking about this kind of stuff, but it has fundamentally altered my life and I hope for the better uh, and has given me a deeper appreciation of the world at large and what it means to be a parent. And uh, I am going to try everything in my power to be the best one I can and to support my wife the best I can, knowing full well I will fail more often than not because this shit is hard. And just because I talk about it doesn't mean I'm good at any of it. And uh, again, gives me greater uh, understanding of what so many people have gone through. And uh, most importantly, I am just incredibly thankful. Just talking about what we went through and the joys of it, it's a powerful stuff for me. Anyway, want to get to maybe a couple questions at AskDave at MajordomaMedia.com. First question is from Dennis Glorioso. 
He writes into AskDave at MajorDomoMedia.com. In every podcast, you mentioned that the conversation may get too far in the weeds, but it never actually does. Maybe I'm an anomaly. Can you pick a major domo dish and go through the excruciating detail of what went into its creation? It was awesome to hear you and Mark Johnson talk about changes to the shrimp dish. All right, Dennis. Thank you for sending that in. I will choose one dish at Major Domo. I will use the salsa seca that we uh, have put on the menu. Salsa seca means dry salsa. And uh, traditionally, it's with like sesame, nuts, chili. But when I've had it at taco stands, when I first had it, I was like, what is this? How can this be a salsa? It's not wet. And it was like almost like a savory granola. I kept on eating it and I kept on doing some more homework and I kept on talking to people. And the more I had a salsa seca, the more it reminded me of like a Korean bar snack, the nuts in it, the chili pepper. It also reminded me of a more coarse Japanese furikake, uh, the sort of rice topping that's very, very savory and delicious. And it also reminded me of Indian chaat, uh, sort of the crunchy snack. And I just thought it would be an interesting way to eat like a first course, right? Like, you know, Koreans love peanuts. And our first iteration of it was just boiled peanuts with pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds, garlic, shallots, and a variety of different seasonings. But it was like a granola, essentially, and we would just snack on it all the time. And then we started bury like peanuts, boiling peanuts and then fried peanuts. And then what we did was when we started cooking peanuts that way, all the peanuts in it reminded me of eating Sichuan food when I'm in China, right? Which oftentimes had a, had a lot of nuts and chili peppers. And it also reminded me of Chongqing chicken, which is basically chopped fried chicken with a lot of Sichuan peppercorns and dried chili pepper. And it's like diving into a huge pile of chilies for little bits of chicken. So we just sort of increased the nuts. And this is probably the version 2.0, 3.0, because we started to leave whole shell nuts in there and then um, put bits of chopped chicken in there. But it reminded us too much of a Sichuan dish. We started to put oxtails in there. And uh, we did a private dinner once maybe like a few months before we opened up, just a recipe test. And um, we had glazed the oxtails, fried them, and then sort of buried them in the, in the salsa seca. So the point was you would take the oxtail and pull it out of the seca, and it would be covered in this crunchy, granola-y goodness. You know, and it was good, but it didn't work all the time. And, and it was a little bit too much to explain to people how to eat it. I just hate explaining to people how to eat shit. So we shelved that. And then we went back to the sort of the original Korean version of it. And, you know, we, we put some dried squid into it. And then we put fresh squid into it. And then I think that one of the things you see a lot of bar snacks in, 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 in Korea, the anju, is sometimes you see peanuts and dried squid and I saw maybe I was just a drunken mess, but maybe there was potato chips next to it. So this is a long-winded, ridiculous way of answering this. 
It's just constantly iterating it. So what we wound up doing is taking potato scraps from the French fries that we would make for our, our meat course and almost chop them up in the home-style potato chunks and then fry them. And then you would fry them in beef fat and then toss them in a sort of glaze and then toss them, the potatoes, in the salsa seca. And that was the dish for a while. And then we've, we've changed it up. Sometimes it had chicken wings in it. Sometimes it had oxtails in it. I think the current iteration has oxtails, oxtail salsa seca, because the funny thing is, is you want to revisit certain things that you couldn't execute. And the only reason why we didn't use oxtails to start is we couldn't successfully get the oxtails covered in seca. So it sounds pretty stupid when you say it out loud, but it was something we could not get consistent. So the idea of serving a salsa seca with potatoes has changed, right? So we got rid of the nuts because people didn't know how to peel the nuts or they just thought it was annoying. And then I thought it was just too obnoxious. And I asked myself why, right? And then one of the things I always ask myself when we make a dish is uh, the old Faulkner saying, William Faulkner of killing your darlings to edit out the thing that you love them so much that you cannot see clearly why you even have it there anymore. And I asked myself, do we have these boiled peanuts in the shell in there simply because it makes the dish better or is it fucking hubris and ego? And we got rid of the peanuts and we just put shelled nuts in there. And it's honestly, it's a really simple dish, but I love it so much. And, um, all praise to the original salsa seca. Like whoever invented it, the first person I think is a fucking genius because I think we are going to see more of it, not just because of what we've done. We're not. Like, it's funny. It's like we took salsa seca, the original uh, Mexican version of it, and really interpreted it as Korean food. And then that got interpreted, that interpretation got interpreted as Sichuan food and chunking chicken, and then also got turned into chot something that I love eating and snacking on. So I, I don't know how to describe it, but that dish, even though it says salsa seca, is like the, the point on a Venn diagram that touches about like nine different kinds of dishes in the world. So it's, um, it's a lot. And I should probably not go deeper into every dish today. I'm just thinking about whatever the fuck I just said about salsa seca, and uh, I think I have made no sense whatsoever. So I will leave the questions of AskDave at MajordomoMedia.com to this one. Thank you for sending them in. Please give us five stars and ratings, uh, however you rate this, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, whatever. Thank you, guys. Stay tuned next week for two more podcasts for this anniversary celebration of the Dave Chang Show. I will shut the fuck up. Peace. <laughs>